Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. This week, as I was studying for Psalm 37, I read a story from a gal I thought would, would tie in real good. Her name is Sarah Hawkins. And, and, and listen, she, she wrote just a quip, just a real short summary that sums up what David is actually going through in Psalm 37. Let me, let me read it to you and you can just, just feel the weight of what she's saying, okay? Sarah writes this in her blog. She was weeping over the phone. Grief, anger, frustration were pouring out as she told me her latest news. Her husband of 30 years had left her for another woman. At one time, this man had been a deacon at their church, a respected leader. He had been a stellar dad, a good friend of many successful businessmen with a good name. But his spiritual interest had evaporated over the past several years, and his heart had grown cold. The divorce was bitter and drawn out, and she was beyond weary and devastated by it all. But that wasn't the cause of her current anguish. She had just heard that he had already married another woman, been promoted at his job, was traveling on exotic trips, and even returned to church. She was struggling with the age-old question, if he was so wrong to leave her, then why was his life going so well? She, on the other hand, was left to deal with broken-hearted children, financial stresses, and the humiliation of it all. Where is God in all of this, she writes. Why Why was their life going so well and hers was in complete disarray? You see, David understood the very same dilemma. David writes in Psalm 37, how can the wicked prosper? How can the, how can we, I mean, is this even fair? How can the wicked prosper? He asked, or, or maybe you've asked this. Why does it seem like bad people with no regard for God seem to have a better life than those of us who are serving God? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you really felt that? There are times, absolutely. Why is that happening? Well, I've entitled this message, What to Do When Bad Guys Win. What to Do When Bad Guys Win. For tonight, guys, we discover that David will exhort us to keep our eyes on the Lord. He's going to give us an exhortation, and then he's going to remind us to trust in the Lord. For one day, he says, we're going to inherit the land. Now, I know what you're thinking. What does that even mean? Well, we're going to get to that in our story. Well, church, let's fast forward to 2017, right? The reality is, is there's people out in our world, people in our workplace that seem to prosper more than us. These are the one that takes God's name in vain. They question God's character. They suppress the truth of the Bible. And yet, guess what? They get bonuses. They get raises, company cars, trips, 
you name it, you're going and you're pulling out your hair in frustration. Those of us who are devoted followers of Christ, we sit back in frustration wondering, well, why do the bad guys win? Why do the bad... Shouldn't we get more? Shouldn't we do more? After all, we're Christians. They're making plans for vacation, and we're making plans for staycation. Why? Because we're broke. We can't go anywhere. Are you kidding me? Listen, church. Not much has changed over the years. As a matter of fact, there's a Bible character by the name of Asaph, and he struggled with the very same thing. You go, what did he do? Well, his problem, as he saw it, it actually almost caused him to give up his life of devotion to God. As he looked and he started to contemplate this, he says, that's it, I'm out. If this is how it's going to be, God, why? Isn't that how it is for us? I'll never forget, guys, I had the wrong thinking when I planted this church. You go, what do you mean? I remember driving up and saying, okay, God, I'm going to do a great work for you. Use me in Lubbock, Texas. This is going to be amazing, and we're going to hang the Calvary sign. There's going to be people all over the place, and that didn't happen. And here I was kicking the dirt and, and telling God, God, what's the matter? What did I do? Why aren't you blessing me? I mean, come on. What's what gives? And here was, my, here was my foundation that I said on. I'm a Christian and I'm doing a work for you. Why are you not blessing me? Guys, we can take that question in our own lives and we can make it anything we want it to be, can we? Why have I gotten a promotion at work? Why? I mean, just name it. Why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Why does this go? Why do I see this guy who doesn't even love God seem to be, I mean, come on, and then we could even take it a step further. We can take it a step further when it comes to when it comes to cancer or something else. What do we say, church? What do we say? Well, I know somebody who doesn't even love you, God, and they're not sick. Why am I? And so, church, listen, Asaph asked that very same question. And here's his question. He says, if, if God is the God of goodness who helped the righteous and opposed the wicked, then why did worthless people prosper while the others suffered? He asked that same question. His story is found in Psalm 73. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. But I want you to listen to Asaph's cry in the word of God, okay? See if that matches your heart from time to time. He says this, Psalm 73, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. And we would give God a big amen. We'd be like, amen, yes, Lord. But notice what Asaph says. He says, but as for me, he said, I almost lost my footing, my feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. And what he did is, as he saw it, guys, as he saw it, he says, I almost, I almost lost it. I almost gave up. I almost walked away. Verse 3 says, For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Can we relate to that or what? He said, man, he said, are you kidding me? Why do you get to be the CEO of that company? And, and Asaph, guys, in the Bible said, man, I, I envied that. I wanted that for me. Now, I'm telling you, every one of us can relate to exactly what Asaph is saying. Why? Why? He says, they seem to live such painless lives. 
Their bodies are so healthy and strong, they don't have any troubles like any other people. They're not plagued with problems like anyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. Others. See, Asaph struggled with the same problem that you and I struggle with. Across the board, it could be, it could be health issues. It could be financial issues. It could be somebody at your work. It could be somebody at school. It could be sports. And Asaph asked the same question. Are you kidding me? It seemed that Asaph said that the wicked man, guess what they're doing? They seem to be enjoying life so much better than me. You know, they're going out and eating filet mignon, and I'm at home eating peanut butter and jelly. What gives? I serve the Lord. Man, they're, and, and, and now, now, again, guys, 2017, Asaph didn't have Facebook. He didn't have Instagram where we see them all out. Oh, look at us, and look at the steak, and they're posting pictures, and you and I are going, are you kidding me? I know. And, and again, you see them doing what? You see them eating steak, and you're eating hamburger helper. And that's the reality of what Asaph is talking about. He's saying, listen, man, listen, they, they, they think they, they're enjoying lives. They're, they're, they're not even wanting anything. And they die peacefully without suffering, Asaph says. Yet their lives have been characterized by pride, cruelty, greed, trickery, scorn, oppression, and boasting. Some of the godly were tempted to follow their own example. For it seemed that God could not interfere with the wicked in their comfort. Now, let's, guys, even Asaph himself felt at times that there was no purpose in suffering for God's sake. How many of us at any given moment will wake up and feel the attacks of the enemy in our lives? Can I tell you that's a good thing? Pastor Ben, really, seriously, I didn't come on Wednesday night to be told it's a good thing. Could you give us a rah-rah one day? Here's the thing, guys. If the enemy is mad at you enough to attack you, you're doing something right. And the enemy's not happy with you because he wants you back, right? Used to be an old song back in the 70s and 80s called, I want you back where you belong. That's what Satan's saying. I want you back over here. I don't want you moving forward. I don't want you moving forward. And so he sends his vicious attacks. Now let's chat for just a moment, guys. Looking back, Asaph now sees how foolish he has been to doubt God. And although he acted like basically an ignorant animal, the everlasting God didn't leave him. Asaph sees now that God has the riches and pleasures that are permanent beyond value and they are far greater than temporary riches and pleasures of the ungodly when he sees things from god's point of view his whole attitude is changed he no longer envied the wicked but he find he found full satisfaction in god now listen let me let me just throw this at you okay because because I'm sitting in my office and I'm thinking about this and I'm, I'm letting it stew, if you will. I'm letting the message just stew inside. And I thought, okay, we've been talking for several weeks about what it means to just simply exist in life. 
and, 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 and live. There's a difference between getting up and existing, going to work, time to make the donuts, going home. That's all I do. Every day it's the same thing and we exist. What's the difference for the Christian as someone who really wants to live? And I started thinking about this, right? So, so li- bear with me for just a second. Think about this. Is living for us, church, is living meaning that we're going to what? We, we get to go on, on vacations and we get to fly here. and We get to go there. And we get to check in hotels and we get to swim. And we get to just lay in the sun and rest for a while. Of course, people would say, man, that's living. But is it really? When you think about it, you go, yeah, yeah, it's all right. I mean, I I wouldn't mind it. I mean, nobody minds a vacation. People want to go to Paris. They want to visit Israel. They they want to go to New York and walk the streets. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But then I started thinking, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And here's what he said. You want to know what true living is? True living is every single day of your life you get up and you are serving the living God every single day. That you have a purpose in life. That, that's true living. Why? Because it doesn't matter if you're having filet mignon or you're having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because when you serve Jesus, peanut butter and jelly sandwich is just as good. That's what, he's, that's what true living is all about, guys. But we haven't grasped that here in, in America. We haven't grasped it. We, we think and we see and, and, and we get bombarded by Pinterest and we get bombarded by, by Instagram and all these people are having fun and they're living the life. No, no, no. You wake up every morning and God's Holy Spirit inside you has a plan and a purpose. And if you'll just stop and say, God, will you use me today? Whatever it is, that's living. Because you can put, you can go, God, I can't, this is so cool. Why? He just used me. He used me to minister to somebody. Guys, when it's Wednesday night, you're super stoked and excited. Why? Because you get to come and be part of the fellowship. You get to use your gifts. You get to hug. You get to see people and be like, hey, man, how's it going? I've been praying for you. I've been walking with you. How's it going? And that's living, and the Lord spoke to me, and that's what I want to do. And here's, here's um, one of the pastors quoted like this. You are truly satisfied when God is ultimately glorified. When you want true satisfaction in your life, it's when you glorify God in everything you do. Paul had it right. You, are, you want to be satisfied in life? You want satisfaction? Because there's a lot of people singing, I can't get no satisfaction, right? But you want satisfaction? Give God the, every minute of your life. You just go, well, pastor, does that mean I have to be like a pastor? I have to walk around the Bible and be like, okay. No, it just means that your joy and your peace, and it's just like, okay, God. Okay, God. I don't care what circumstances happen to me. I love you. And that's what he's going to talk about, guys. So Asaph is struggling with the same problems we struggle with. And when we're talking about blessings, guys, we seem to limit it to what? Material blessings, right? God, bless me, bless me. And we think it's got to be material. It's important for us to know what Jesus said in his sermon on the mount. You guys remember that? It's called the B attitudes. You guys with me? Okay, you're looking at me like what? The B attitudes, not the have attitudes. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Let me show you something real quick. Jesus is speaking. You should already be there. Matthew chapter 5, picking it up in verse 3. We won't have time to go through all of them, but he says, "Blessed is the poor in spirit." Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? That's not a material blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Then he goes on, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Now, note with me in verse 5, Jesus is speaking and reminds us that, that blessed are the meek, okay? Blessed. What, what does it mean to be blessed? That, mean, that word means happy and approved are you. Happy and approved are you that what? That, are, that, that, that is the meek, and here's what you're going to get. You're going to get what? You're going to inherit the earth. Now, in Psalm 37, that phrase is actually used three times. So I thought we need to take a moment and really understand what it means. I mean, what does it mean? I'm going I'm, I'm to get a piece of land somewhere? <laughs> I'm going to inherit the earth? I mean, what does that, what does that mean? Like, like I get my own little plot? I mean, I think when I die, I get a plot. But is that what it means? No, 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 no. Let's see what it means, okay? In the vocabulary in the ancient Greek language, a meek person was not passive or easily pushed around. Okay? We need to know what meek is. The whole idea behind meek was strength under control. So when the Bible says, blessed are you that are meek, it means strength under control. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You go, well, what is it? Like, show me. Well, basically, it's like that strong stallion that was trained to do the job instead of running wild. That horse, that stallion could go and buck and strong at any moment, but he was trained and he had strength under control. Control. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Blessed are you. Strength under control. Meek also means it shows the willingness to submit and work under proper authority. It also shows a willingness to disregard one's own rights and privileges. Now think about this. If Jesus is looking at you and he says, the meek shall inherit the earth, okay, and he's calling you meek, And meek means strength under control, but it also means to submit and work under proper authority. Your question would be, who's my authority? Well, let me give you an easy answer. God-given authority is your boss. No, he's not. Yes, he is. And what you have to do, my boss is a crook. My boss is wicked. My Listen, God has put you there. You're there, and he says, now you need to come under that with what? With meekness and what, church? Listen, that you're going to submit and work under that proper authority. Well, what do I get? Well, the Bible says that you're going to what? Inherit the earth. You go, what does that mean? The promises that they shall inherit the earth proves, here it is, you ready? That God will not allow his meek ones to end up on the short end of the deal. You go, what? In other words, God will, because we have put our faith and trust in him, we know with great confidence that he's going to watch out for us and he's going to protect our cause. That's a good place for an amen. Seriously. Why? Because that's what it means. That's what it means. He's saying, listen, guys, I know what you see is, is not reality. It looks like the wicked are prospering. It looks like people are getting ahead. It looks like those who don't even give any, any credence or respect to God seem to be rich. And me who pray every single day and me who read my Bible, man, we're struggling. We're trying to make ends meet. What gives? You're going you're gonna to inherit the earth. I don't want the earth. No, no, no. He's going to what? Guys, think about that. He's going to watch out for you, and he's going to protect you. And he's going to protect your cause. So those who trust in the Lord, God's promise is that he will not allow his kids to end up in the short end of the deal. 
Now, it may seem like the wicked's going to prosper for today, but God's not finished with his plan for us. You with me? So that's the intro to Psalm 37. Now, let's jump into Psalm 37. If you're taking note, David has written about the wicked in Psalm 36, and he picks it up again in Psalm 39, but he kind of takes what we call a parenthesis. He's going to take a break, and he's going to write the Psalm 37 and 38. But let's um, basically notice what he says with me. As he writes Psalm 37, notice with me in verse 25 real quick, because I want to set the stage. In Psalm 25, he says, um, Psalm 37, 25, he says, I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Now, why do I point this out? Here's what I want you to see, guys. David is writing from years of wisdom, right? David said, I used to be young. He says, now I'm old. Now I'm old. And the older he gets, the wiser he gets. And really, I'm thinking, shouldn't that be the case with us? You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Guys, the older we get in the Lord, the wiser we should become. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? Well, should not grace and meekness be our clothing? The older we walk, the more we walk with the Lord. How long have you been saved? I've been saved a long time. Should not your clothing be filled with grace and meekness? Guys, the trials in our life, now, now stay with me, the trials, you know what I'm talking about? The trials, problems, the circumstances in our life where they're going to make us better and we're going to be clothed with grace and meekness or they're going to make us bitter and everything from here on out is going to be bitter and you're going to end up being a bitter old man, mean, and you're going to say, I'm a Christian, get off my lawn. If you throw that ball over here one more time, I'm keeping it. Right? And, and, and the man's pushing the cart and, and bumping into everybody because he has rights and, 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 and he has a I love Jesus, right? And he's pushing carts all the way and he's just mean. Why? Because trials will make us better or they'll make us bitter. It's up to you. It's up to you, guys. I am learning this. I want to grow in grace. I want to grow in meekness that when I see things happen in the world and in my life and in my sphere, that I can step back and say, God, I don't want this to be bitter. I want this to make me better. I want to make me better. So David is writing how? From wisdom. And I think, guys, as the older we get in the Lord, we should be willing to lay down our lives for the Lord Jesus. Now, as we make our way through Psalm 37... The theological foundation for this psalm is actually found in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 27 and 30. We don't have time to go through that, but uh, you can look at those chapters for homework. This is the theological foundation for this chapter. Um, keep this in mind. David is going to give you and I four encouraging assurances that God is still in control, even when it seems like the wicked is prospering. Four encouraging insurances. Number one, you can jot this down. The Lord can be trusted. The Lord can be trusted. Number two, he's going to tell us, the Lord understands your situation. And I think that's heavy, church. Why? Because a lot of times we go, does God really understand my situation? 
And Dave is going to point that out. The Lord understands your situation. Number three, we're going to see that the Lord blesses his people. And then last in the psalm, it's going to say the Lord judges the wicked. The Lord judges those wicked. Let me give those to you again real quick, and then we'll jump in, okay? The Lord can be trusted. The Lord understands your situation. The Lord blesses his people, and the Lord judges the wicked. Point number one, let's see if the Lord can be trusted, because that's what David says. David says the Lord can be trusted. Look at Psalm 37, verse 1 and 2. David writes, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Now, here's what I want you to notice, guys. I want you to notice that that David gave one negative instruction. What does he say? Don't fret. And then he follows it up with four positive, okay? Well, you go, what does it mean to fret? Well, if you have a pencil handy, you you can just circle it, and it means to worry, right? And he's saying, don't worry, be happy. Some of you didn't get that. Come on now. But he's telling us this. Don't worry. To fret is to worry. Now, I want you to listen to it, okay? You ready? David says, don't worry, and here's what he says. To have a heart burn, to fume, to become vexed. Nature is very apt to kindle a fire of jealousy when it sees lawbreakers riding on horses and obedient subjects walking in the mire. Charles Spurgeon gives us that. He says, listen, to fret means, wow, you are vexed. You are upset. It bugs you. You're about to quit your job because of what you see. But here's what the Bible says. He says, don't worry about that. Why? Don't worry, be happy. Why? Because as soon, they'll be cut down like grass. You know what he's saying, guys? David gives the same answer Asaph gave in Psalm 73, understanding that any prosperity experienced by the workers of iniquity was only temporary. He says, listen, listen, you, you know what happens to the grass? It doesn't stay green all year long. Unless it's fake grass, right? It eventually... And that's what he's saying. He says, guys, listen, they're going to, as soon as going to be cut down like grass. Like, I mean, so don't worry. Now he's going to give us four positives. Look at verse three. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed in his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers this way, because the man who brings wicked schemes to pass cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. Why? It only causes harm. He gave us a negative. He says, don't worry, don't fret, don't get vexed, don't don't freak out, and now he's going to give you four positives. Okay, believer? You ready, church? Notice he's saying, he says, trust the Lord. That's number one. Trust the Lord right? Instead of fret and worry, he wants you to trust and do good. What does that mean? That means to walk by faith. Just because you see something happening right here does not mean that God doesn't have your back. Sight is cross-eyed and view things only as they seem. And David says, guys, trust the Lord. Anyone else, and I would go, well, David, you don't know what's up. No, but David does, doesn't he? Because David wasn't always the king. 
David had a hard life. David was living in caves. David was, I mean, David was minding his own business and then he got anointed king and then it's been a rocky uphill. So David, when he says, trust the Lord, he knows what he's talking about. You go, what, is, what does trust mean? Well, the Hebrew word is bakta, and it means this, to trust, be confident or sure, be bold, secure, have confidence. Now, you're listening to me and you're thinking, okay, trust the Lord. But I've got to ask you, do you trust the Lord? Pastor Ben, of course I do. Of course I do. Church, we trust the Lord when things go really well, don't we? And when things get disarray, hey, man, I'm, I'm shooting straight. When things get disarray, man, we just go, I don't know if I trust you, God. I don't know if I trust you. God, could you shoot an arrow or something this way so I can just know you're in this? And the word of God declares to our heart, trust him, trust him. Be confident, be sure. What else should I do? Well, point number two, here's a great thing. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, right? And he will what? Wait a minute, check that out. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And most of you are going, yes. What does that mean? Well, all I heard is going to give me what I want. That's not what it means, is it? That's not what it means. Delight yourself in the Lord, guys. David advised that the man or woman of God to replace worry and envy with a conscience delight in the Lord. The word means treat yourself to God. Treat yourself to God. Here's what he says. Delight yourself in the Lord. Treat yourself. Get a big helping. You guys know when you go to Froyo, right? They charge you by the ounce. And some of you don't realize that. And you're sitting there going, right? And you come up there and you're like this. It's going to be $45. You're like, what? (laughs) Well, you got like 86 ounces. I mean, come on. With God, that's what you want to do. You just want to treat yourself to the Lord. Just keep pouring it on. Lord, this this is great. This is great. Pastor, I really like, I just, I struggle with worry. He says, no, no, no. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires. You know what I found, church? Ready? When I delight myself in the Lord, my desires change. It's not for stuff. It's not for things, but it's for the things of the Lord. It's for people. It's to see them saved. I I don't know if you get this, right? I don't know. You read the news. You're very smart people, very handsome, by the way, very good looking people tonight. But you know that this world isn't all that it is, right? I mean, we're, we're not going to be here very long. We're just passing through. How many of you know we're passing through? But our job is to do what? Take as, get as many people on the bus as we can, man. And, and, and God could write it in the sky. God could do incredible miracles. He did. But think about this. Think about this for just a moment. He's using us to ask people to get on the bus. And there's people standing there like this. I don't know if I'm going to get on the bus. And then they see your life. And they see you, and they say, you know what? You have something. I'm getting on that bus. That's what we're here for. We're just passing through. So delight yourself in the Lord. Now, I want you to keep this in mind, okay? When you treat yourself to God, jot this down. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Have you done that lately? Have you sat back and go, wow. When was the last time in the shower you were going, thank you, Jesus, for water? 
I paid the bill, you gave me the money, and I have water, and I have soap, and this is good. Right? When was the last time you thanked God for jelly for your peanut butter? Some of us walked around going, only with peanut butter. <laughs> Can't have one without the other. I mean, peanut butter. And you know what the sad part of that, sister, is? I didn't even have any bread. I had to put on my hands. Well, that'd have been better if I had jelly. I know some of you have crackers. I don't have crackers. We should count our blessings, right? We should count our blessings. You know what? Wow, that's cool, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I think about the missionary who came back for a furlough, and, and she went to the refrigerator, opened it up, and she just started weeping. Just started weeping. And the, the host of the home said, why are you weeping? And you know what she said? Are you, are you crying because you see so much food? You have an abundance? And she said, I'm crying because out in the mission field, we had to just pray and seek God. And he miraculously brought this. And it got me to know the Lord here, which is just so readily available. She knew what it was to seek God and count her blessings. And sometimes we just take that for granted. I'm not getting an amen on that, do am I? Yeah. Okay, keep this in mind, guys. This is not a promise for people who want to, who, who want things. But it's, it's for more, it's for people who want more of God in their lives. Number three, it says, commit your ways to the Lord. It means to commit one's way to him and to trust the Lord. It means to find peace, perfection, satisfaction in a surrendered focus on him. Commit your ways to the Lord. And then number four, it says, rest in the Lord and wait. Because God has promised to faithfully take care of those who put their trust. Guys, rest in the Lord. You go, I don't know what that means. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord here, if you're taking notes, speaks of a particular kind of rest, okay? It's the rest of silence, ceasing from words or self-defense. Here's the idea. You ready? That we will not speak to vindicate ourselves and trust God to take care of it. Wow, when the Lord says rest in that, it means zip it and trust that he's going to take care of it. Pastor, I'm not seeing it. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Here's why. Verse 9. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Guess what happened? That's going to happen eventually. Okay, evildoers, they're not going to be around anymore. And you're going to what? inherit the earth. What does that mean? It means God's got your back. He's going to protect you. He's got everything under control. Can you imagine? You know, you, sometimes we think God's up there going, oh, I didn't see that. And he's, and he's, mad, at, he's mad at the angels, right? Michael, Gabriel, get over here. Did you see what happened to the? Oh, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to? Oh, goodness. I'm just going to mess up my reputation as God. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I didn't see that. I mean, look at them. The, He's got it. He knows exactly what's going on. And he's growing you more like his son. But I don't want to be like his son. It hurts. I know it does. But that's the best place to be. More like Jesus. More like Jesus. Verse 10. For yet 
A while the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully in his place, but he shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and, and shall delight themselves in abundant peace. Where are the wicked going to go, guys? Away. He's, don't notice what he says. You guys are going to go, go, hey, whatever happened to that wicked boss? What happened to that corrupt boss? He was always stealing. Whatever happened to the guy who was embezzling? They, they're gone. And who still has a job? You do. But you got to trust the Lord. Number two, the Lord understands your situation. Verse 12. Notice, the Lord understands. He says, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes teeth and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn a sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. That's you. The sword shall enter their own heart and their bows will be broken. Okay, here's what Warren Wisby says. Jot this down. This is a good quote. Since God can be trusted, we should not fret. And since God understands our situations, we should not fear. Since God can be trusted, we should not fret. And since God understands our situation, we should not fear. Well, pastor, the Bible just said that the wicked plot against us. But you know what it also says? That God laughs at him. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered what God's laugh sounds like? Isn't that cool? I mean, here's the wicked plotting. I'm going to get Tim. I'm going to get Brother Tim. I'm going to get Brother Adam. <laughs> I'm gonna, and God's like, really? <laughs> Go ahead. Try. You're not getting past him. That's my kid. That's my kid. That's my kid. Those of you who have, those of you that are parents in here, or those of you who ever had parents in here, think about this. What would you do what would you do for your kids if somebody was trying to harm them? I read something that they said, mama bear, mama bear. Am I right? What would you do? Now, some of you didn't get that when I said, if those of you that are parents and some of you that had parents, and then I have to explain the joke. We all had parents. So, <laughs> so, okay. What would you do? You protect, you protect your kids, don't you? You're, nobody's going to hurt them. And you, God's, God's, God is good, and he's like, that's my kid. You're not going to hurt him. Now, you can plot, and he laughs, and he says, nope, nope, nope. Can you imagine the power of the Lord? He defeats his enemies by laughing. And he just laughs at him. He's like, try it. It's going to happen to you. I like the way the message puts it. He says, Look, listen to the message, okay? The message says, bullies bandish their swords, pull back on their bows, and flourish. They're out uh, they're out to beat up the harmless and mug the nice man walking his dog. A banana peel lands on, fl- and lands on them and falls flat on their faces, slapstick, slapstick figures in moral circus. He's saying, you know what? It's just going to turn back on them. Look at verse 16. A little that the righteous man has better than the riches of many wicked, for the arm of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Did you hear what it said? A little that you and I have is better than all the riches that the wicked have. Pastor Ben, I got a question. I would sure like some of the riches that the wicked have. I mean, what's wrong with that? I know that's what you're thinking. 
their riches will eventually, one or two things, they'll either lose them or they will die and leave them. You guys got, you, you guys got that? They will, they will what, lose them or they will die and leave them. But you have Jesus and that's eternal. You can place value on some of that stuff they have. And listen, it's not wrong to have stuff. Pastor Ben said it's wrong to have stuff. But what I'm saying is that there's something far more valuable. And that's Jesus. And we can take, now here I go, here's my soapbox. We can go and we can take something good and we can make it ultimate and it becomes an idol. And there's no peace and joy in having idols. So we have to, we have to, have to say, God, listen, having a nice car, amen, thank you, Jesus, but I will never take that thing and put it above you. I have you, Lord, I have you. Some of us don't have a lot, do we? Some of us, we're like, man, we're just scraping by. Hey, listen, a little that the righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Why? For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. You're going to stand in that day. The Lord knows the days of the upright, verse 18, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in, in the evil time. And the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. But the wicked, they're going to perish. And the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. Shall vanish away. You know what that means, guys? It means that God understands right where you're at. So you can take care of the situation or you can say, God's got my back. Which one do you want? I said, God, you've got this. Well, Ben, does that mean that if I'm really serving Jesus and I'm really going to follow, be a follower of him, that that's not going to happen? No, that's going to continue to happen. It happened in Asaph's day and it's happening in our day. But what I want, the point I want to get to you is that God knows, trust him. He knows your situation. He knows exactly which chair you sit in at work. He hadn't hadn't forgotten about you. And when he blesses you guys, praise him. You get that extra bonus, you're just like, thank you, Jesus. Pastor, all I got was a quarter raise. Thank you, Jesus, for your quarter raise. Thank you, Lord. Well, that's silly, Ben. I mean, I deserve more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Number three, the Lord blesses his people. Look at this, verses 21 to 31. The wicked borrows and and does not repay, but the righteous show mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, notice, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Good place for an amen right there. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old. Here it is. You ready? Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Now, in your mind, you've got to hear the brakes come to a halt. Why? Because you and I both know that we have seen Christians poor and begging for bread. It happens. There have been Christians in other countries that have died from famine. So we need to understand something right here, guys. 
When David writes this, he says, I've seen a lot of wisdom in my life. I've seen a lot of things. And the majority of the time is God will stand and he's, he will never see the righteous forsaken and he's never seen his kids begging for bread. But this is known as a wisdom psalm. And this is not a promise. He's just kind of giving you wisdom, much like the Proverbs. And so you go, oh, well, pastor, what happens if if I do get in a, in a bad situation, here's the deal. Listen, God has set up church in such a way that we're a community of believers and that you should never go without food or clothing or shelter. Who's going to pay for my iPhone 7? That's not us. <laughs> Amen? Because we're going to come alongside you and we're going to make sure you have food and we're going to make sure that you're taken care of. That's what the body of Christ does. That's what the church does. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying here. It's a wisdom psalm. Verse 26, for he is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good. Dwell forevermore. The Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. Amen. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked, they're going to be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, there it is again, and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and, the, and his tongue talks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. What's he saying to you guys? He blesses you if you'll walk in the Lord. It's not about what you have down here. It's about what you're sending ahead. It's not about what you have down. Guys, don't don't walk don't don't walk by sight because what you see is not always what's what what's what's reality. God blesses his kids. I'm I'm I ain't lying. God blesses his kids. He does. He loves us very much. Blessing to you is, is, can be several different things. It could be material. It could be, it could be peace in your home. You able, some of you go, man, I am so blessed. Why? What do you have? I have nothing, but I sleep like a baby. Really not like a baby because a baby wakes up a whole lot, but you know the saying, right? I sleep so good. I put my head in the pillow and I don't worry about anything. Why? Because my God doesn't sleep. He's watching out for me. He's got everything under control. But Ben, there's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of trials. There's a lot of stress. What do I do? Trust the Lord. Do good. Commit your ways to him. Rest in him. Easier said than done. Takes practice. Takes practice. Aren't we, aren't we the craziest bunch of yo-yos? You know, and I don't mean that in a mean way, right? You know what a yo-yo does? It goes down and then it comes back up. And that's like us with God. We're like, sometimes we're like, God, I love you. And then we go, oh, I'm scared to death. And then you hear a sermon because Pastor Ben's a good preacher. Then he comes over here and, and you say, ah, oh, I feel so good, Lord. I just, and we're just this yo-yo back and forth, aren't we? Aren't we? And, okay, let me give you the fourth one, guys. And the Lord judges the wicked. Notice what he says. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. Did you catch that? There, there's, yeah, yeah, wow. And the Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor can, 
condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord, keep his ways, and he shall exalt you and to inherit the land. And when the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, spreading himself like what? A native green tree. And yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. And considering the remarkable blessings God has appointed to you and I, David did not think that it meant life would be easy. Everybody hear me. It doesn't mean, oh, life's going to be easy. Once danger continually faced was from the wicked who hates the righteous without cause. I mean, that's kind of where we live. Life isn't going to be easy. How much more do you need the Lord to walk with? Verse 37 says, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace, but the transgressor shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. How many times have he said that? He said, guys, it's coming, it's happening. It's happening. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. He is, the, who, who, who's our strength? God. What kind of strength is he talking about? Is he talking about physical? God is my physical strength. I, I can bench 4,000 pounds. He's talking about spiritual strength. He's talking about that inner strength where you go, I trust you, God. Does it mean that you won't cry or stress or, or fret? He said don't fret, so if y'all are fretting, you shouldn't fret. But it's that strength. It's the strength that only comes from the Lord. The Lord shall help him and deliver him. He shall deliver him from the wicked and save them because they trust him. They trust him. The psalm starts off with what, guys? The psalm starts off with don't fret. What does that mean? Don't worry. Why do we worry? Why do we worry? If you guys want to come up, we're going to be closing with this. Why do we worry, church? Why do we worry? Why do we worry? I don't know. I'm just born worrying. I just, I'm just a worry wart. Just, I just got the gift of worry, <laughs> right? Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. A lot of times, guys, there is a, there's a source. There's a surface, and then there's a source idol. You know what the source idol would be? Control. You realize that when we want to control everything so that we find peace in our lives, we actually worry all the more. We want to control and we want to just, and what happens is we worry and it's this recurring, it's this recurring theme, is it not? I'm telling you about control because we all like control. At my house, I have a dreaded weed called crabgrass. And I'll mow that thing down and it'll look like grass. And I'm telling you what, it, it, before the day's out, it's back up. Hello? And I was like, I hate that. That's a surface. That's a, you know what I'm talking about? Crabgrass is a surface thing. In my front yard, I also have a tree that roots go really, really deep. That's going to be more of a source. 
David starts off and he says, don't worry. And we go, but I'm worried because I see all of this happening around me. And he says, well, trust the Lord. And we go, I can't trust the Lord. Why? Because I have a control problem. I'm bowing the knee to the idol of control. And my number one emotion is worry. When I should actually be going, I trust you, God. You're in control. I don't control nothing. I don't control nothing. So I can pull the crabgrass, guys. We can say, I'm not worried. God, you've got this. Or I can get in there and I can start digging the source out and go, Lord, I have put control in my, in my world, my business world, in my personal life, in the people around me. I've tried to control this and all I do is worry, 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 worry. Why? Because if I can control everybody and everybody's doing what I tell them to do, then I'll be at peace. But sister, nobody ever does what I tell them to do. They do their own thing. And so that makes me worry more. Can you control people? So I say, God, I'm going to take that off the throne. And I'm going to put it where it goes. And I'm going to let you handle it. And that's what it means, guys, to trust. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you. It could be school, it could be sports. Lord, for for ministers, it sometimes could be churches. Why is that church doing better than mine? And Lord, you say, trust me, Ben, trust me. And I say, amen. So Lord, we thank you for Psalm 37. And I know, God, I know you've never seen the righteous forsaken. I know you've never forsaken us, and I know, I know you take care of even, even the poor people. And so, Lord, as we worship you in song, help us to remember these points. Put them deep in our heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray.